interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome into a brand new edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. It has been a minute, folks. I apologize. The bye week, uh, we took a week off from the podcast. The last time we were on the air was right before uh, the Monday night game with the uh, game day special that we always do weekly with Jake Burns in our crossover, Blue Wire crossover. Uh, I just realized uh, a minute ago that I should probably update the top of the show because it says Blue Wire Hustle, and that has been since been dissolved. A lot of things changing in, in, in our life here, as we talked about, and Jake talked about. I'm at the OBR now, enjoying it thoroughly. My guest tonight, also making moves. Jack Jackson McCurry, friend of the show, friend of mine, uh, the Dogland podcast, uh, recently picked up uh, by also friend of the show, Jared Mueller, running Dogs by Nature over at Vox Media, picked up Jackson's podcast, The Dogland Pod. Congratulations, Jackson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Brad. Uh, always good to chat with you, man. Um, yeah, exciting times for the both of us. We both made moves. I'm really excited for you joining the OBR because I know that's a great crew over there. And yeah, it's a brand new start for myself and Anthony. Uh, The Dogland just moved over to Dogs by Nature. So if anybody who listens to this podcast and has listened to us in the past, we're now under the official Dogs by Nature podcast feed. So go subscribe to that wherever you guys get your podcast and you'll find us still uh, as the Dogland podcast. That's awesome. Uh, so happy for you guys and uh, much well-deserved uh, for sure. Um, yeah, so didn't do any shows. By week was super busy. If I was on the uh, Wednesday, it was Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. I, it's all running together. Wednesday night, OBR uh, with Barry and Fred Greetham. Uh, I was on that show, and then, of course, the pre and post for the game on Monday night. Had a lot of fun doing those shows. Those you can find on Twitch and and uh, uh, their Twitch channel, the OBR Twitch channel, and also on YouTube. So that was cool, awesome experience. Really had a lot of fun on the Wednesday show. Uh, Fred was running late from Berea or whatever, right? And uh, uh, so I was on with Barry for, like, a long time answering questions, and, and it was a lot of fun. So... Uh, I'm really uh, liking the role. I, you know, did uh, the uh, things I think I know about the Browns article last week. It did really well, so I appreciate everybody's support out there and uh, for hanging with us here on All Eyes on Cleveland. But we're back. We've got a full week ahead here. We've got Dolphins Week. It's huge. It's a massive game. Uh, I posted every completion from Tua on Sunday. Uh, as they put up a ton of points, they are a juggernaut of an offense right now. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, I want to get into some other things here, Jackson. Um, let's uh, let's start with so the Browns are getting healthy on bye week as they should, right? Denzel Ward, I guess, was at practice, but technically still in the protocol. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Chase Vinovich uh, is back, right? 
off of IR with uh, also uh, their running back. Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford. Yep. Um, and they, uh, who else came back? Wyatt, Wyatt Teller. Teller. Yeah, he's back too, so it's, that's huge. So, huge stuff there. Now, here's here's my question, right? Denzel Ward, uh, I guess he's still in protocol. Part of the protocol is getting back out on the field, I think, the last stage or whatever. So, he's, I believe he still has to clear be cleared uh, to play on Sunday, but, you know, according to Stefanski, he's trending, they're trending appropriately, whatever the shit that means, uh, <laughs> you know. But okay, that's fine. I, you know, I understand that's how Stefanski is. That's how he should be. And I want to be clear about this. I like my head coach to play it close to the vest. What about you, Jackson? Like, I think like he's gotten a lot of shit this year because it's always the same thing. He never gives anything away. He's always like, yeah, it's on me. I got to look at the tape. He never answers. But that's how a head coach should be, in my opinion. You shouldn't give anything away. It's your answer should be purposely vague. And I know it annoys fans, especially when you lose four in a row and they want to hear something, but he that's not him and that he shouldn't be that way, in my opinion. How do you feel about it? Do you want to see him show more emotion? I mean, part of me does, but part of me at the same time, and, and this is the one thing I always never understand about the fan base, it was the the first couple of years we were winning and no one cared about his emotion. No one cared Correct. that he kept kept things close to the vest. Uh, Stefanski could be a tough poker player in my eyes, uh, the way he yeah. keep the way he handles things. But uh, of course we start losing people get frustrated calling for his head. And it's like, are you really going to do better than what we got right now with Stefanski? I don't think so. I like the way he approaches things. Yeah. It gets frustrating when we lose and he doesn't show more emotion and, and situations during the game. But you know, this is what we signed up for. Stefanski's a good coach. Like I, I like the way he approaches things, but I mean, I can understand frustrations when, when we lose, but when we win, there's no complaints about how he handles things and approaches things. So I guess yeah. it's win one way, lose the other. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I get it that it's frustrating, especially when they lose four in a row and he's not showing enough emotion. I think he did show some emotion on the sidelines a little bit during that stretch, but never going to be overly like, and this is, and I've talked about this on other shows and in this show, but like you look at like Dan Campbell, right? Like th the reason the guys like him maybe can have short term success, but in my opinion, won't ever have long term success is because of the crazy ups and downs. Like every game is like the end of the world if you lose. Like, how can your team recover from that on a week to week basis? So I feel like the approach of, one week at a time. I know it sounds mundane to us, but that's kind of how it has to be. This is a long season of football. It can't be crazy highs and lows. I don't think a team was, can really withstand that, in my opinion. No, not at all. And when, you know, people begging for Greg Williams to come back. And oh, yeah, come he, on. he had great success during that second half of the year when he took over as interim coach. But we, I think a lot of us knew it was never going to be sustained success. I know some people were actually wanting him to be the full-time coach after that run towards the end of the 2018 season, but yeah, it, did. you can only take so much raw, raw and emotion uh, as a head coach and think it, it's not going to translate to victories like Dan Campbell. He's had his ups and downs there in Detroit, but 
that win loss record is going to cost him his job at the end of the day. He's not putting enough wins on the board. I mean, it's, and Greg Williams, I don't think would have lasted long here as the full-time coach of the Browns. It's just, it doesn't, it wears on guys. Miles Garrett was getting frustrated with him. I don't think Denzel yeah. Ward liked him all that much for calling him out on his tackling. So guys like yeah. that don't have sustained success in the league. Agreed. Uh, it's just too much. Uh, I mean, he's crying, telling his players he loves them, and all, you know, one week to the next. Like, it's just a freaking roller coaster ride. I don't know how you could withstand that, you know, and then, like, you lose a close game, and it's like the end of the world with them. Just really difficult. You kind of got to play things on an even keel. Sure, you're going to have your ups and downs, and but in order to withstand, you know, uh, the stuff that comes along in an NFL season. You've got to uh, have some sense of poise and uh, level-headedness, which certainly Stefanski brings to the table. And I get it. It's annoying. But, you know, I laughed today at that when he said they're trending appropriately, which means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> what does that mean? That means nothing. Trending appropriately. Uh, I, I, it sounds good. Sure. Okay. Here's my question, though. Ultimately, what I was trying to get to, uh, it's, it's been a week, so I've got a lot to say, and I'm rambling uh, off the top of the show here, so I apologize. Uh, Denzel Ward was in concussion protocol uh, for a long time. Uh, it's his third concussion uh, in his fifth year, right? Um, and that's not even counting any potential concussions he had in high school or college that aren't you know, documented thoroughly as they are in the NFL. And, you know, all this stuff, that stuff happened with the two, a concussion and all the, you know, the potential uh, changes to the protocol because of him and all that stuff happened. And Denzel like doubled the time that Tua was even in concussion protocol, which is alarming to me, Jackson. Are you concerned about where he is and his future is with the concussion issue? Because I am. Oh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, the more concussions pile up, the more you worry about not only his long-term health in the league, but his long-term health overall. Um, I remember, what was it, the 2015-2016 season, Joe Hayden had a concussion and missed like the last 10 weeks of a season. Uh, Jordan yeah. Cameron, uh, career ended early because of con uh, numerous concussions. Like you're seeing guys bow out of the sport early because of their long-term health and side effects of concussions. So yeah, I definitely worry about Denzel Ward now. It, is it because of the protocol changes? Why he was out as long as he was? Maybe, but yeah, you definitely have to be concerned for Denzel's uh, health going forward in this league. Already three concussions in less than five seasons. I think this is his fifth season in the league, but so yeah. definitely alarming and something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, not only in the short term, but the long term uh, of his tenure with the Browns. Yeah, and I know it's 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 tricky territory with HIPAA and everything, but you wonder what doctors are telling him um, at this point. I wonder if they're like, I wonder how close they are with how long he was in there is what is crazy to me, right? Like he was in there longer than Tua, and Tua was like, the worst case we've seen on a field, right? With the, uh, I mean, in a long time. So like, he was in there longer than him. It's number three. It's just really like, I wonder what doctors are telling him. Like, and it's good to see him out on the field. I hope that he proceeds back onto the field and that, you know, they don't feel he's in any long-term damage. But if he gets another one, 
I mean, he may have some tough decisions to make about his career. Without a doubt. I mean, and you got to wonder, you know, looking at it from the Brown side, did they put protections in the contract in case he has an injury that would be a career ender? So uh, I would think they would have just because of his injury history. I mean, they weren't like major injuries, but they were still injuries. But yeah, you do wonder if he gets another one, like, does Denzel just say I'm done? Like I it don't want to. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I can't imagine how many more he could sustain. Uh, to be honest, um, without them saying that, yeah, you're you're risking your future. You know, life. You know, life uh, quality of life, right? Uh, as you get older and when you get into that territory it becomes uh not about football at all right so right um something it's all about to, it's all about your personal well-being at the end of the day yeah so something to keep an eye on and concerning as football fans as well certainly um i know he wasn't playing well at the beginning of the year certainly but you know i think we all expected him to to be regular old denzel at some point so We'll see what happens here. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, back from bye week break. It's game week. Uh, it's Tuesday night. I'm with uh, the great Jackson McCurry, uh, now of Vox Media and uh, um, Dogs by Nature's uh, podcast uh, lineup, the Dogland Pond. You also do the talk, Top Dogs podcast as well, Jackson, still? Yeah. Yeah, still do that with Alex Hale. Double podcasts. Yep. You're you're a pod machine. I that's am. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot. All right. Um, so we've been hearing a lot of talk about, uh, well, some some this week, some bye week topics, right, that got stirred up. Uh, Jedrick Wills. Where do you stand with Jed Wills as far as fifth-year option, extension. Um, I mean, he's committed some penalties. He hasn't been fantastic by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it's hard to find a left uh, or a left tackle in the NFL. So where do you stand with him and his performance? Yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting topic. Um you know, like you said, Jed's hasn't been perfect, but I think that's the one, the one thing like Browns fans, I think expect perfection after being spoiled with the career that was Joe Thomas's when he was here. You never, Which is never not fair. Heard any, yeah. It, yeah. And it's not, it's really no. not fair. It'd be like whoever replaces Nick Chubb here in a couple of years. It's Correct. not going to be fair to compare them to Nick Chubb. Um, Absolutely. It, but like he's had his ups and downs. He's average. He's inconsistent. I think that's what Jedrick Wills is. Sure. The nitpicking on social media when they pick out one bad play, when he has a pretty decent game, like last Monday, when somebody questioned his effort and he posted, I think it had to have been close to his best performance ever by PFF standards last mm -hmm. week. I think he graded like 85 overall. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the contract, I'd pick up the fifth-year option at this point because, like you said, it's hard to find a left tackle in this league. Extension talks don't happen until he can prove some form of consistency and, and effort. I don't have any hopes that the Browns extend him right now just because I would not give him left tackle money until he shows that more consistent effort. 
on the sure. field. Maybe next year in the draft. Now I know they're kind of limited in their draft capital, but if you can find a tackle in the third or fourth round to develop behind him, pull the trigger on that as long as Bill Callahan's around here. And then you put the pressure on him and say, we're expecting a step up from you in these years four and five. And if not, we'll move on and we'll find a new left tackle, whether they develop one here in the next couple of years or they go out in free agency and find somebody. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. I think the fifth year option is probably a no brainer. Um, I think that that makes sense. Uh, I think that you want the extension to happen, uh, but you're not just going to give it away, right? Like, and so you want him to shore up some of this stuff. But ultimately, I kind of lean a little bit towards probably eventually getting to that extension. Hopefully, if he can just come along as a player, you know, the next year or so, because it's just so difficult to find somebody. And, and he is unfairly being compared to Joe Thomas. So I, I, I like Jed and I think he'll be okay. You're right. It's inconsistency. He's got to sure that up, but I think the fifth year option thing should kind of be a no brainer. Um, you took him with the first round pick. That's one of the benefits of doing that. I think you exercise that option, in my opinion. Um, and he's still only 23. Like, he'll be 24 exactly. next May. Like, there's still time for him to flourish and blossom into a starting caliber left tackle in this league. And he still is. I mean, he is inconsistent. But, I mean, he's towards the bottom on PFF's rankings of tackles. But, like, I don't see anything alarming to where we have to go find his immediate replacement next year. No. I just, I no. just don't see that yet. I agree. Totally agree. Well said. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. Next topic here. I've got some things we want to get to. Watson is back in practice next week. Yes. Uh, I believe it's either that's right. one week or two more weeks. I think it's next Monday after yeah. this game, right? That sounds um, right. I'm pretty sure I saw Brad Sandbrook write that. All right. So, um, how, uh, and I reached out to Chris, Chris Easterling, uh, Akron Beacon Journal. Um, he'll be on the show here in the next week or so, but uh, to, I really want him to ask <laughs> uh, Stefanski at some point, and I'm sure it'll get asked by somebody, but like, how the hell are they going to do this with Watson's reps and practice and, and Brissett? How do you expect them to do this? I, I would think. Brissett's still getting the majority of the reps until the Houston week. Sure. You give Watson some, but mainly work him with the second team, obviously, right now. And I think that's a good thing for guys like David Bell and Michael Woods, who are already seeing more playing time, getting him yeah. more, getting them more acclimated with Watson. I think bodes well for them because I think things are going to open up more offensively. Obviously, when Watson gets back, I made the comment on Sports for CLE last week that. I think we see more three and four wide receiver looks when Watson comes out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that bodes well for guys like Bell and Woods who are already getting more playing time. And I think getting that chemistry down with Watson to the point where when he comes back as the full-time starter, gets them opportunities and some to make some plays for the offense once Watson's back out on the field come Houston. I'm interested to find out, like, here's my question, right? Like, okay, you can't really take any reps away from a Brissette because you got to have these games. So 
you put him as the backup, you give him the second, the backup reps, which is not much, right? Like it's not much in a, in a game week. Um, a lot of it's mental. Do you give him scout team reps? Uh, do you give him, can you get him work? I don't, I don't know this for sure, but can you get him work on the side? Like, can you get him, uh, I don't know how the, you know, if, if there's rules to this, the NFL structure, whatever, can you get him on the other field just throwing balls to Schwartz and some, whoever else you need to, uh, practice squad guys just to get him, uh, you know, I'm sure he's been doing that, just throwing and stuff like that. But I'm just saying, like, can you get him throwing routes to guys? Can you get, like, a skeleton crew over on an, another field while you get accomplished what you need to with your first team and, and get him work on a, a side field? I don't know these answers. Like, is that possible? I it's I wonder, though, like, you've got really got to kind of think outside of the box here, right? Yeah, definitely. I think you want to get you want to get him as many reps as possible. Um, I know he's been working out at the Lakery Crusher Stadium. I've seen stuff on Instagram and social media that he's been out yeah. throwing. Um, but yeah, you want to get him as acclimated, reacclimated with the receivers as much as possible. I don't know if they're gonna try to do stuff after practice once he's back out there on the field. Like you said, throw him out there with the scout team. They just added another speed thread at wide receiver today on the practice squad. But mm -hmm. yeah, like get Schwartz bell and woods out there on the side while Brissett and the first team offense is working and, and let Watson get ready. Like I, yeah. you can't, he's never going to be ready on at practice throwing um, against defenseless receivers, but, or not defenseless receivers, but obviously receivers wide open, not going to get that feel of a live defense until the Houston game. But you want him to be ready. You want him to be physically ready and obviously mentally ready with those mental reps as well. So, uh, the week, uh, before going into Tampa week, do you work him in more? You think, do you, do you trend, do you take reps away from Brissett and trend him towards coming back in the hopes that Brissett is pro enough to go, give you the just as good a chance to win with a couple less reps um that week or are you not willing to take that chance I'm not willing to take that chance especially Probably. like if the browns are still they're still in the playoff hunt in my eyes and yeah. so i would get brissetti get brissette ready as much as possible and that's giving him every uh possible rep give watson his one or two or however stefanski splits it sure. up but Brissett's our guy right now until the week of Houston. And then then you move, you flip the script and give it to Watson. Yeah. So he'll get one full week with the ones and a regular game week and whatever extra work they can work in. Besides then, I'll be interested. I don't know how much of a report we'll hear about what that extra work looks like. Like you said, is it after practices on the side? Uh, is it? just mental reps and regular two reps or can they get him in on the scout team i don't know you know what i mean so yep. uh but i and think I'm you get him as much as you can and i'm sure stefanski will not tip his card either probably not we probably <laughs> will never know this is probably uh yeah you're absolutely right uh you're listening to all eyes on cleveland special guest jackson mccurry of uh the dogland podcast and the uh top dogs podcast uh, follow him on Twitter at Jack McCurry. It's M C C U R R Y O eight on Twitter. It's a must follow. 
for uh, those of you listening. All right, let's transition here to this bang. Uh, I almost said Bengals. Dolphins game. Uh, Dolphins shootout with the Bears. Uh, you know, they win. Uh, and Tua, you know, looked pretty good. Like, there. here's the thing. I watch, you know, I, I watch a lot of this game. Um, did you watch a lot of this game? Yep. So, you know, it's a good, fun game to watch. Fields and the Bears offense is very much transformed since that New England Patriots game. They look a- adequate now, uh, and Fields is special, and I think they found a guy in, in Chicago for sure. Uh, on the topic that we care about, the, the uh, Dolphins are also special. Uh, they are, you know, Waddle, obviously, uh, Cheetah, obviously, Tyreek Hill. Uh, they are incredibly fast. But, like, more than anything, the offense they're running, like, they are running wide open. Like, uh, he is not, Tua is not, is putting up monstrous numbers, but he's not really having to squeeze a lot of throws in. These guys are open a lot of the times. Uh, and basically, with what they're running, uh, they get separation rather easily. What they're running is getting them easy looks. Uh, they have a ton of speed on the field, especially now they have Jeff Wilson they added. Uh, they have Mostert they added. They had Bradley Chubb on the defense. This is going to be a tough, tough game going down there. Um, and uh, I almost hope it, it would, you know, I think it's the rain, I guess, is supposed to stop. There's there's a tropical storm warning down there this week. I think it's supposed to be done by the game. Um, but I almost wish it wasn't, and it would just rain a shit ton down there. I, I feel like if you could ugly up this game, it would give the Browns a better chance, right? Um, but what do you think of the Browns' chances here? I mean, the Bears did go toe-to-toe with them points-wise, which kind of is encouraging as far as their defense goes. Um, but their offense is going to be brutally tough to stop. And then I'll tell you what I think a little bit about this and why I kind of like our chances. But what do you think about the this game? Yeah, it's funny that they add Bradley Chubb and it seemed like their defense took a step backwards last yeah, week in Chicago. Like that. Um, so that does bode well for us. I mean, uh, when you have an offense that has uh, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, Kareem Hunt, like I like my chances. Would be nice if David Njoku's back. Doesn't look like that'll happen, at least for the time being, because we're recording on Tuesday night that he won't be back this week. You're getting Wyatt Teller back, which is definitely going to help in the run game. But I am worried about that Dolphins offense. I'm looking forward to it because I will be in Miami this Sunday. So I'm looking forward to seeing that in person because that offense has been so fun to watch on TV. Um, but they have to find a way to slow down Waddle and Hill. And that has not been easy. Those two are combined for over 1,900 receiving yards. Uh, Tua is putting up unbelievable numbers despite the concussions already this year. Um, he's been pressured a lot, which makes me feel good about our defensive front. If they can do what they've done the last couple of weeks, generate pressure, uh, get after Tua. I like our chances there. But at the end of the day, you slow Waddle and Hill down. I think that's going to give the Browns the best opportunity to win come Sunday. Yeah, um, it's interesting. So, I've talked a lot about this, right? I feel like the Browns engineered their defense to stop high-powered 
passing offenses in the AFC that they thought they were going to see a ton of. Now, it was a miscalculation, in my opinion, because points are down. They saw a bunch of middling to average quarterbacks in those first few weeks. So teams just ran the ball right at the defensive tackles and the linebackers, which they didn't spend a ton of capital on because of their other focus, and they got kind of exposed. So it kind of backfired on them, and it was a bit of a miscalculation, I think, as far as, you know, analytics said don't, you know, don't spend on defensive tackle, encourage teams to run. Well, that's fine and dandy unless you're giving up. You're getting gashed for 10, 14, and a, a rip, and they were. So uh, I feel like Barry miscalculated a little bit there. However against a team like this, this is kind of what this defense was designed to stop, in my opinion, right? You've got good, good corners. You've got safeties uh, that can do both things, although they've been disappointing this year, no doubt, both safeties. They they still are talented guys, right? Um, I think that Taki Taki's coming on at the right time. I think he'll get more of a role, and he's earned it. Uh, I wrote about that this week, but it's interesting. I, I get the feeling that JOK is not going to play. Have you you get that feeling? Um, it'll be interesting. He did not practice. I think on Monday. Uh, yeah. Obviously, didn't play against Cincinnati. So yeah, maybe a week off will help him get him back out we'll there. See. It'd be nice because Gasecki's yeah. still a threat, even though he's having a down for year. sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he plays. But either way. Deion Jones, I mean, you're not going to have a ton of linebackers on the field against this team anyway. So you're going to have Jones out there, and you're going to be in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, nickel, dime, whatever it is that they want to run against them, probably zone. You're not going to run a ton of man-to-man against Waddle and Hill, I don't think. But uh, Emerson, uh, whether Ward's back or not, I still like our corner's chances. Um, You know, Emerson's been fantastic. Uh, and, uh, I, I just think that this defense was exposed by teams doing the opposite of what it was built to stop. And I think this is more up their alley of what they were built to stop. So, you know, it'll be key to keep that red zone defense will be huge, right? Like they're, they can move the ball between the forties. All I care between the twenties. All I, all I care. I don't care. Right. They can move it up and down all they want. We saw that with like the bills this week, right? Like they just moved the ball up and down the field and the jets won somehow. And the bills only scored 20 points because they keep them out of the end zone, right? Red zone defense is just, it's it, right? Like you hold them to field goals, you score touchdowns, you can win against a team like this. That stuff is huge. And I think the Browns at time have been good in those situations of getting off the field and, you know, when they were given a short field a couple times uh, in the Ravens game and they held them to field goals and stuff. So I'm hoping this defense has turned the corner, but I also think that, you know, although I think Barry miscalculated and it hurt him early, this is more of what he geared this defense to stop. So I, I think they do have a better chance than some teams at slowing down this this Dolphins offense. And I think they might just be between me and you, and I know we're on a podcast, but I think this Dolphins offense might be a little bit overrated. Just a little bit. Like, I... I they came back on some teams. I know every it's the, all the trend right now, but they just 
Tua Tua makes some mistakes. He's not perfect with his throwing. Like he's putting up gaudy numbers. I know that. But like you watch him and he makes a he makes some bad throws here and there. If you get opportunistic on defense and take it away a couple times, I don't know. I just there's been times where this offense should have exploded on teams and they haven't in some games. So I, I feel like, yeah, they they put up a ton of points on a uh, on a bad Bears defense, and you know they came back late on the Ravens, right? Um, on a banged up Bears defense, I should say, they weren't bad to start, but they are now not as good, right? No Roquan and their secondary's dinged and all this stuff. But like, I feel like. They may be a little, little bit. People are crowning them a little bit early. I want to see them do that against uh, a really good defense with some good corners and some good safeties. And I think the Browns have a good chance of slowing them down enough. And their offense is playing well enough. If they can come out of this by self-scout, trends, all that stuff, coming off the bye week, they should be ready. Uh, to play, this is a this is a gotta have a game for me. I feel like you gotta win two out of three here uh, before Watson comes back to give yourself a realistic chance at the playoffs. Yeah, without a doubt, I think you know Miami is beatable. Obviously, they're not you know the elite team of the AFC. They're one of the good teams, but they're not an elite team. Like I said, their offensive line has generated a lot of pressure. They're not running the ball as well, which is a surprise for a. McDaniel that's coming from the Shanahan system like they have Mozart they just acquired Jeff Wilson but they're 29th in rushing they've been airing it out a lot with good reason when you have Tyreek Hill and Jay Waddle and Tua's having a great season so far but this team's beatable their defense is 24th or 25th in scoring last time I checked so they can their secondary hasn't been as good I think they've invested a lot of money in that team so yeah I think Miami's a winnable game and like you said two out of the next three are must wins for the Browns. If they want to keep their playoff hopes alive with Watson returning, I think Buffalo, which that game could be winnable depending on how Josh Allen's elbow is. So this is, this is the Browns opportunity right now to strike when they have a chance to, if they want to stay in contention in three weeks time, when Deshaun Watson comes back on the field, like this is what I think they were setting up for to be within striking distance as they enter December with Watson returning and having a chance to still make the playoffs and still being the surprise team of the league. And, you know, they started off slow this year, but, you know, beating uh, Cincinnati, almost beating Baltimore left, let teams know like Brown's team is still talented and they will still give you a run for their money all 60 minutes of every, any given Sunday. Hundred um, percent. Gotta have it, right? Uh, gotta have it. I mean, I guess I heard to, uh, Nick Wilson today. I guess he he was saying, yeah, they could win one out of the three and still have a shot. But you're asking then, basically, Watson to run the table, basically. Uh, I th- I think, and that's just too much uh, with yeah, the rush. I don't think that that's possible. Comes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. So I look at this report every time it comes out on PFF, and I want—it's interesting. I think so. This is the coverage report. I don't know if you've looked at it, but they do it every couple weeks, and uh, some of this stuff is very interesting. So they have this uh, perfectly covered play rate, which I've explained on here a couple times. Have you seen this before? So um, um, no. Okay. Explain it to me real quick. So basically, it's just exactly as it sounds. So they basically. 
have evaluated these plays and defenses that the percentage of the time that they have a play perfectly covered on defense, right? So, uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's in the right place, basically, uh, in coverage. Um, so they have uh, team-specific true coverage rates uh, and coverage mistake rates. Uh, so, like, defenses with the least coverage mistakes, right? The Chargers uh, with a true coverage rate of 92.94, meaning what, 8% of the time they are uh, making a coverage mistake. The Rams are at 90%. The Jaguars are at 90%. The Packers uh, are at uh, almost 90%. And the Colts are at 90%. Defenses with the most coverage mistakes, Texans, Saints, Lions, Commanders, Vikings. Weird to see the Vikings up there. All right, so here's where it gets interesting, though. Top three in perfectly covered play rate percentage. 49ers, no surprise. Bengals, still up there. They were up there last time. Number two at 43% of the time. And number three, the Dolphins, 39.5% of the time. Interesting, right? This has changed. The bottom three in perfectly covered play rate. Now, this doesn't mean that, (laughs) like, to just uh, for, (laughs) so people don't freak out and panic. Uh, It doesn't mean that, like they weren't the Browns weren't on the most mistakes list, but they are number one on uh, in the bottom three, not number one. They are the least amount of time perfectly covered play rate in the NFL right now. So twenty two percent of the time, point seven percent of the time, they have the play perfectly covered. That's poor. It's not good. But they also weren't on the list for the most coverage mistakes. So make of that what you will, right? Like, so they may not be making huge mistakes, but they're not covering things perfectly either. So they're like kind of in the middle there, right? Uh, yeah. It's an interesting number, though. Seahawks are 25.7% of the time uh, perfectly covered play rate. That is the second worst. And the third worst is the Lions with 27.1. So you have the Browns on the on the worst in perfectly covered play rates. And you have the Bengals and the Dolphins in the top three with the Niners. Would you have guessed that? No, not at all. Me, I just, me neither. It, Hard to fathom, right? It's interesting. Yeah. Um, also, just throw this out here because I think this stuff is interesting. Man-to-man coverage this season, the most. Do you have a guess for the team with the most man-to-man coverage this year? I am, like, horrible with, like, zone and man coverage. I wouldn't, <laughs> even, I wouldn't even tell you on TV, like, what they're running, but I couldn't tell you who the team is that runs the most. Uh, it's Giants, 51%. Patriots, who I would expect to be high. 47.3 Lions 45.2 uh all from the same school of thought there right coaching staffs I believe pretty much yep. all uh Belichick tree uh most zone coverage this year Rams 90% of the time that is an absurdly high number uh Vikings 87.4 who were also on the most coverage mistakes list which is interesting and the Seahawks who were on the bottom three and perfectly covered play rate are up there at 84% zone, most zone covered. So make of that what you will, but I find those numbers interesting every time they come out with them. So um, 
There also is... They have, like, individual players with the best true coverage rates. Demario Davis is the best linebacker at 100% true coverage rate. Um, yeah, Remember when crazy, he came right? to the Browns and just did nothing? Yeah. Yeah. You want he, goes to the, he goes to the Saints and becomes an all-pro. <laughs> yeah. And even crazier, and this one will, is kind of maddening, uh, my guy Troy Hill at cornerbacks – has, is uh, number one cornerback in true coverage rate at 98.04%. And that's the guy we traded away. He did not do that here. He was not no. good in, as good in coverage here. Neither has John Johnson been. Has not no. really lived up to uh, the contract that we signed him to. So that stuff is interesting. Um, but 51 coverage snaps. You know, he's a, he's a nickel for them so he's not on the field every play so certainly take that with a grain of salt but interesting still because we brought him here to do the same thing and he didn't he made plays he did he made plays but it just was not but he was not the same be. guy in coverage that we thought we were getting same now with john goes, johnson yeah same with john johnson john johnson has been very disappointing unfortunately right. although last um, week he he played well last week he played well last week it, it wore the green he, dot and he's the green. That's the one thing I don't understand is second half of last year, second half, the start of the second half of this year, he's got the green dot again. The defense is having success. But the first half of each of the last couple seasons, like, it's I don't, hard. does Joe Woods want a linebacker running the defense or does he not? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I think he does. Yeah. I think he wants his Mike linebacker to be the green dot, but he just, uh, the, out of, you know Walker getting hurt, who is was great and playing the best football of his life before he got hurt, um, and then you know having to bring in Jones and then JOK being out, it, they had to kick it to uh, Johnson. And it seems from what I have heard that players liked it when Johnson had it, and they felt like they were in the right spots more often and stuff, but. Uh, as I wrote in my article last week, John Johnson as a whole has not fulfilled his con contract. No. Uh, and I thought uh, we've seen him make business decisions uh, on plays uh, after he tried to take a leadership role and call out the defense. The week after is when he did that. Didn't even attempt to tackle Gus Edwards at the two-yard line. Uh, you know, so pretty hypocritical stuff there if you're calling people out and then you won't even attempt to tackle a guy uh, a foot away from you so um I, it's hard to find a I, I you know i was huge advocate of having john johnson here so um and was and was very excited when he came so and he played a great game last week huge third down tackle uh, you know, to get off the field late in the game. Um, and he had put up good scores for his game, probably the best scores he's had in a while, and wore the green dot. So it's confusing, right? It's, it's very he's, confusing. He's confusing, yeah. So, um, but I would not be surprised if this is his last year in a Browns uniform because they do have an out and they do owe him nine point something, whatever million dollars. Uh, and they do have an out. And he is due a bonus in the off season. So if it happens, it'll happen early, I believe, in the off season. 
Yeah, I see. I think it was if they designate them post June first, it's nine point seven million they saved. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, kudos to your guys' cap expert Jack Duff, and he's he's teaching he's, me the uh, the ways of the uh, cap infiltrating. The oh, yes. he's definitely the best. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's how that plays out, and I I just can't see him coming back uh, at that price so. unless he balls out the second half of the year, which would not yeah. surprise me. The way the defense yeah. is rolling, and if he's the green dot, then. But yeah, I feel like this is the end for him. Yeah, it, it would be hard to, at this point, even if he played amazing, I think it would be hard to um, convince the, the Browns are just. And it's not. I'm not blaming it all on him. Although I think he was hypocritical with coming out in the public and speaking out against the defenders like that, and then coming in and showing lack of effort like that in the week right after that. Very hypocritical and really kind of pissed me off about him. That along with his poor, uh, you look at his score, his PFF scores with, uh, you know, the Rams and then the Browns, and it's just like a fall off, right? He just hasn't been as good. Now, they've asked him to do different things at times. I think Delpit in him, neither is a real true free safety, right? They're both better closer to the line of scrimmage, and certainly Richardson isn't that so I think at some point they're going to have to address just getting a true center fielder type free safety and letting the other guy, probably Delpit, play that role because he's very good against the run. Yeah, it's definitely been the thing that's been missing on this defense is that true like center field free safety. It's part of me, part of me why I wanted Tyron Matthew this offseason yeah. in free agency. Yeah. Um, I know Jack Duffin was beating the drum for Trey Boston for years, but yeah, they need to get like that true free safety because when you have two box guys, both back there on the back in the middle of the defense, it just, it hasn't been successful and it's, it's disappointing. I feel like that's what's been holding the defense back a lot. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, um, and, and you, you can put that on a couple people. You can say, Hey, that's a little bit on AB, but it's also on Joe Woods on figuring out how to make that work one way or another, right? Like either, you know, somebody has to buy into the role all the way, you know, or not. And uh, you've got to figure out a way to make that work. I I heard them, somebody say they think they've figured it out now. We'll see. It looked like it last week. We'll we'll see from moving forward. But um, this this is the type of team this defense was designed to stop. So... It's uh, it's on them, right? They got to come up big this week. Absolutely. The last two weeks, you've seen the defense start to make waves. You know, this week against Miami, next week against Buffalo. Like, these are the reasons why they built the defense the way they did. They just have to go out and execute. 100%. Um, and it, you saw it worked against Cincinnati so well because they become one-dimensional, right? They didn't. They went away from the run. They went to the pass. And when you do that and you have the Browns pass rushers and you have uh, their weaker offensive lines and you have the guys in coverage that you want, that's what they are designed to do. So if you – I see Miami doing the same thing. Like they may not even sometimes just not even try to run the ball very often. They will with most – but like you said earlier, they want to they throw it. They want to put it up. Same thing with the Bills. Uh, so to, to your point there – uh, this is kind of, you know, invite the run, play the, you know, you're better off when these teams are running the football at you. So, you know, see how yep. it works out. 
Absolutely. Because uh, that's how it was built. So uh, any parting words here tonight, Jackson? You're fantastic. I appreciate your time, brother. Uh, and congratulations again. Go listen to the Dogland Pod at the uh, Dogs by Nature uh, podcasts. Uh, Jackson McCurry. Follow him on Twitter at Jack McCurry08. Parting words, sir? Uh, just thank you for having me on, Brad. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Um, I will be down in Miami this weekend, so um, going to be uh, at the congratulations. Br- That's going to be fun. How wh- how'd that happen? You've been planning this. Been planning it for a few months. Going with my brother. Um, going to the Brownsbacker event Saturday night. Hanford Dixon's going to be there at the Brownsbacker bar. Meeting Jack Duffin this weekend, so that's uh, going to be cool. Been looking forward to that for some time, but. But I'll be at the game on Sunday as well. So uh, if you guys are at the Brownsbackers event Saturday and you follow me on Twitter, come hit me up. Come say hi. Have a drink. Let's let's enjoy the weekend. And uh, it's supposed to be warm in Miami. And hopefully the Browns come away with a victory. You, sir, have a fantastic time. And uh, make some bad Thanks, decisions Brad. while you're down there. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Nah, no, right, no bad decisions. No I bad got, decisions. I got a girl here. Right, sorry. I can't make bad decisions. Oh, oh I'm bad influence. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. No, you're good, brother. Uh, all right, Always man. Thank you so much. You, of course. Uh, so for uh, Mikey behind the virtual glass and Jackson, my name is Brad Ward. This has been an all-new edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. We will be back uh, tomorrow night uh, with more. Uh, and with that... We are out.